let's say you've got a, and this is, these are overly simplistic numbers, but that, that that's the purpose. We want to make it simple. You got a hundred thousand dollar asset and you've got a hundred thousand dollars in your private bank. You, you can effectively purchase that property outright through your private bank. And you would also make a loan uh, to the borrower or to the, the entity that's on title. And you would make sure that payments come back to your bank that replace that $100,000. That's that's what we call getting the money back and making sure that that money just doesn't evaporate because sometimes money has wings and is ready to fly off, especially in windfall situations. And so if you don't have a specific plan in place to make sure you're getting the money back, um, you, you, may, you may wonder where it went in 10 years. So this is a, a technique to get the money back and also protect the asset. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. I find today's episode to be fascinating and very practical for the physician investor. Today's podcast is an interview with Seth Hicks of Private Banking Strategies. Seth describes how his company helps high net worth folks like physicians be able to protect their assets for generational wealth building and become their own private bank. Since selling commercial real estate can result in a large sum of proceeds, let's hear how Seth describes for us examples to make this work. Hey, Seth, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. Thank you, Trisha. appreciate you having me on. So I'm going to start by um, explaining a little bit about what you do. You're a private banker, and you also are an asset protection expert and an attorney. But um, tell a little bit, tell the audience a little bit about your background and, and how you got to where you are, what you're doing right now. Sure, sure. I, I Yeah, I've practiced law for about 25 years. I've got... Uh, uh, practice in multiple jurisdictions and uh, focused and emphasized real estate transactional uh, work. Worked in a large firm in Dallas uh, for a number of years, uh, securing uh, large big box banks transactions. Let's say I uh, purchased the Galleria or refinance uh, a large development. And uh, so I took that uh, expertise and then spun out into a boutique where we did real estate transactions, commercial business transactions, um, and even did some trial work and litigation on occasion. So got about uh, going on three decades of experience helping people uh, protect their assets and structure transactions so they keep what they make. And tell us a little bit about private banking. Um, We'll start there. Sure. Yeah. Private banking strategies is, is something that I suspect that most of your audience has never heard of. And it's something that we're wanting to introduce or reintroduce to uh, to America, which effectively helps uh, people take the banking equation back in their own life. And, and when they do that, they're able to protect their assets and keep what they make and uh, effectively have a lot better tax 
advantages with this strategy as well. But we utilize whole life insurance, a, a carefully structured whole life insurance policy to function as a private family bank. And it has a number of benefits and values, including asset protection and tax-free growth within your bank, uh, financial privacy, uh, being able to use the same dollar more than once. And that's where people start to go, hmm, how do I use the same dollar more than once? So I look forward to getting into that some. Um, there's seven pillars, which we try to focus on with private banking strategies, but that's some of the core benefit and value of private banking. So my audience, they're physician owners and it's they're, they a lot of them are physician owners or they're healthcare real estate investors. So, you know, when they sell their property, they ask the next question of either they are reluctant to sell their property because they don't know what they would do with the proceeds or, you know, they don't have another property to roll it into, but the time in the market is, is right. So, you know, they ask, you know, well, I can't sell because then I don't, I'm going to get hit with this huge tax liability. So a popular transaction that, um, you know, you're familiar with sale leasebacks where a physician could sell their property, they might get a couple million dollars. They'll, you know, want to, if they're expanding their practice into another site, they'll, they can reinvest some of it in, in another building, but then, you know, they could take some of these proceeds and buy this life insurance that you're talking about and help them internally fund you know, mortgage payments and such. So why don't you walk them through that? Sure, sure. Yeah, we, we counsel folks. Uh, and one of the taglines that I like to accentuate is we help you keep what you make. And so if someone experiences a windfall, whether it's the sell of a building, the sell of a business, or a cryptocurrency investment sale, which we've dealt with a lot in the last five years, uh, people are focused on wanting to keep and, and actually take home what, they've, what they have uh, accumulated in that windfall. And one of the ways that you do that is you, you put it into a private vault that's asset protected. And in many states, the whole life insurance policies that we structure are asset protected by the legislature, meaning they are completely off the table from creditors and from attack uh, if you have a liability. And doctors obviously being one of the higher uh, liability professions, it's something that most of our doctor clients are concerned about is in the event of a liability or uh, excess verdict type of situation, they don't wanna lose their home, they don't wanna lose what they've worked hard to create. And they certainly don't wanna lose their family uh, security. So you would take a windfall amount, like I said, from sell of a business, sell of a property, uh, or, or cryptocurrency, there's a, you know, the, the permutations are endless. And you would begin to fund your own private bank and a whole life insurance policy. And the good thing about that is that that is a financially private transaction. It also avoids big box bank uh, bail-in potential. And th there's something where people should, their ears should perk up when I say bail-in. Some people go, what does that mean? Well, uh, you and I spoke briefly before we started recording about the Dodd-Frank Act and bank bail-ins. Well, the Dodd-Frank Act is misnamed as a Consumer Protection Act, uh, Tricia. And what it, it is misnamed, why it's misnamed is because it effectively changed from a bail-out system. If you remember in 2007 and 2008, we had a mortgage crisis. 
And there were some large financial institutions they called too big to fail, which the federal uh, government bailed out with taxpayer money. And taxpayers were up in arms. And so they passed the Dodd-Frank Act, which, is, which said, we'll never bail out a financial institution. Instead, we'll bail in. So if you have a bank that becomes insolvent, it actually has the ability to bail in on deposits and your deposits, my deposits that you're keeping in that big box bank. People go, well, that, that's absurd. My money in the bank is my, is my money. It actually isn't. The bank statement that you get every month is an IOU from the bank. So what, what you would do with your own private bank is take that same cash that you've got sitting in a big box bank and you'd fund your own private bank where you are financially private and life insurance companies are not beholden to the Dodd-Frank Act and they, they're not beholden to the IRS pursuant to Internal Revenue Code 7702. If folks want to look that up, it effectively excludes uh, taxable events on money in and out of these policies and effectively creates a bulletproof vault that people can rest easily at night knowing that their money's not going to be bailed in on. But you know, I, I kind of go down a rabbit trail. If people want to hear more about uh, Dodd-Frank Act, they can Google it and, and go down that rabbit trail. But um, it is a red pill uh, rabbit hole that surprises a lot of people. Well, you know, before you were talking about an example of, of a client that, you know, actually lost a malpractice suit and you said had to start over at 60. Correct. Yeah, it, it, it was it was really tragic situation where um, this doctor worked hard and accumulated, you know, a, a nice uh, life for him and his family. But and he had good uh, insurance coverage as well, but he was hit with an excess verdict and effectively wiped out uh, his in, entire wealth accumulation that he'd been building for you know over 30 years. And um, needless to say, it's devastating. And it was easily avoidable if you're structured in the proper way. And if you've got, you're taking advantage of the laws that are on the books and you're creating a, a system where you don't subject yourself to that because who wants to work hard and earn uh, and amass a wealth for your family all to have it, you know, just drift, drift away from you. And although that's an outlier, I mean, it's not statistically probable, uh, the folks that it does touch, it's devastating. Right. And so he had nothing in place, no safeguards? No, he came to us after that happened mm -hmm. and uh, had, had learned about private banking after the excess verdict and had to, had to start again. Um, but, you know, the folks listening to, uh, in our audience, they don't have to start again. They can start now. And that's the good thing. So they, they have this life insurance policy. So, so walk somebody through, you know, if they wanted to strategically borrow money from it to invest in, let's just say another piece of real estate, but for whatever they want, but, but walk somebody through that. Sure. Yeah. You effectively fund your bank uh, with annual premiums and that has a certain cash value and there's a certain proportion and structure which where you maximize your cash value in your bank. And you're able to take that dollar that you have funded your bank with and pull it out and invest it, uh, whether it's uh, commercial real estate or whatever the purpose is. Or, so for some, it might be retirement. If they had a large enough windfall, 
uh, and they wanted they're close enough to retirement age you effectively unlike 401ks 403bs and other qualified government plans you don't pay taxes in and out so you know that's kind of a, a a segue for retirement type things if you you lump some that money in there you've got the ability to pull it out in a structured way where you've got a retirement that you're not paying taxes on that when it comes out um, whereas if you've got a 401k you know you, you might as well take 30 percent in today's current tax rates and that's not your money you cut 30 percent off of that and then you're paying taxes whether you uh, take it out now take it out later and you've got penalties penalties if you're too early penalties if you're too late well, private banking is not like that. You've got no penalties. You can take it, you know, right as you fund it. You can fund your bank and you can take it right back out. Um, and then like we also spoke about, you know, you would actually use uh, commercial mortgage instruments, just like a third party financing or third party bank would if you're going to invest in real estate and you would uh, make sure that your bank receives the money that it loans back. And every dollar that comes back into your bank increases your cash value again and is able to be put to work again. So uh, just in a simple transaction, let me yeah. say- Yeah, walk a, through a transaction because I think that'll help. Sure. Let's say you've got a, and this is, th these are overly simplistic numbers, but that, that that's the purpose. We want to make it simple. You've got a $100,000 asset and you've got $100,000 in your private bank. You, you can effectively purchase that property outright through your private bank. And you would also make a loan uh, to the borrower or to the, the entity that's on title. And you would make sure that payments come back to your bank that replace that $100,000. That's, that's what we call getting the money back mm -hmm. and making sure that that money just doesn't evaporate because sometimes money has wings and is ready to fly off, especially in windfall situations. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a specific plan in place to make sure you're getting the money back, um, you, you, may, you may wonder where it went in 10 years. So this is a, a technique to get the money back and also protect the asset because you, you'll have that uh, a lien in place. Um, so you fund your policy, you fund your premiums with $100,000. You take that same $100,000 right back out and you purchase this piece of real estate. And then you've got cash flow on that. You've got rents and you effectively pay back your mortgage to your private bank through those rents. And your cash value increases with every dollar, dollar for dollar that you pay back. And so you go out and you look for another opportunity that exists and you acquire second property number two, and you do the exact same thing. Now, depending on how much money you've got in your private bank will depend on how many assets you can acquire with only your private bank money. Now, of course, you can use third party financing and we could use the principle of leverage. You could take that same $100,000 and you could spread it over five properties with 80-20 financing. So you've got 20,000 down on property one, 20,000 down on property two, and three and property four and property five. And you're using bank financing for the other 80%. And your cash flow just increased fivefold, right? And so now you've got five times that rental cash flow coming back into your bank. And you can effectively take out the third party financing one property at a time in a very rapid fashion. So that you, you've used the principle of leverage and your own private banking 
system to accelerate your ability to capture the equity in those five properties. And it, it doesn't matter if it's a, a medical facility or apartment building or single family homes, it's the same principle for all of those assets. I know your folks are, are focused on medical, commercial, um, but same principle works throughout. Right, it's fascinating. Then does that make more. sense? It does, does that... make sense, yep. And here's a, here's, a, here's a good thing about this as well, as I mentioned the tax-free uh, aspect of it. There's no taxable event when you are paying money in or taking money out. Um, and that's Internal Revenue Code 7702. If folks want to look it up and dig into that a little bit deeper. Uh, this is why folks like John F. Kennedy and Ray Kroc, who was the franchisor of McDonald's and J.C. Penney and so many others have utilized this tool to create wealth um, because it's got some very, very sweet tax advantages to it. You've got tax-free growth with inside your bank uh, that compounds and grows every year without any taxable event. And now get this, whatever you don't use at the end of your lifetime, uh, you don't, you, I don't want my, my wife or my kids to get a big fat estate tax bill where everything that we've accumulated gets cut in half. I want them to get as, as 100%. And this is something that allows that to happen. Everything in your policies and the death benefit that is paid to your beneficiaries is paid completely tax-free. And, and here's, here's a story to drive that principle home. Everyone's probably familiar with uh, the artist formerly known as Prince, or when I grew up, he was just Prince. Well, <laughs> you know, he and had, I know him as Prince. <laughs> yeah, I know him as Prince, but he, he changed his brand to the artist formerly known as Prince. Prince. Right. He passed away in the mid uh, 2010s, and his estate was worth about $200 million. And he uh, was a resident of Minnesota, and between the state of Minnesota and the IRS, they took over $100 million of his estate from his heirs in estate taxes, over $100 million. Mm -hmm. So they got less than 50% of what he had accumulated and worked for. Now, contrast that with a structure that's properly set up, and you've got your own private banking system, you're going to pay zero estate taxes. If you have 200 million, it's all going to, to your heirs. It's all going to your beneficiaries. And I don't think anybody, no matter what profession or how much you've accumulated, wants to pay more taxes. I don't know anybody that wants to pay more taxes. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> so what is the maximum amount um, that someone can take out in a, in a life insurance, a whole life insurance policy? It's relative to your financial uh, position and your wealth. Um, so it's really like a calculation. The, yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a ratio and a calculation. I mean, um, if if you've got substantial wealth, you can have you can create substantial policies. But we normally don't uh, have run into the issue of, of getting a lot of pushback. Well, if you're going to try to go with multiple millions in annual policies every year, then you have to have support for why you need that much, because they're obviously going to be paying out multiples of that in, in death benefit if you happen to die so in the next day. But they're very good at calculating when people die, believe it or not. These actuaries are <laughs> amazingly good at it. So <laughs> it's, a, it's 
it's a good way to get a, a, a calculation on how healthy you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see what goes into that equation to spit out the outcome of the number that they. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Seth, I'm going to move into the Q&A part of the of the podcast here and ask you a few questions to get to know you a little bit. So sure. what was your first job? Uh, my first job was the, the practice of law. Uh, I, I graduated from Pepperdine Law, and then I took a, uh, a position in a large firm called Winstead in Dallas and the real estate section. So that, I mean, unless you're talking about, you know, being being a life coach. Yeah, it's, it's whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what would you be doing for a living if uh, you weren't first an attorney and then now doing uh, this this asset protection and private banking? You know, I, I really love what I do. I love helping people uh, create family wealth and create generational legacy wealth. Um, I don't know what else I would be doing. I, I really enjoy this. I might, you know, NASCAR racing looks really fun. <laughs> So if I if I had a chance to race NASCAR, I might I might give that a shot. Well, and where did you grow up in Texas? Uh, north of Dallas, Fort Worth okay. area in North Texas. Okay. What or who are you reading or listening to right now for news information or inspiration? Wow. Um, well, I, you know, I, I I'm I guess what you'd call faith based, so I probably spend most of my time in one book, and and that's generally what I'm what I'm looking at. Um, and I, I've got a, um, you know, a great resource of other, uh, other things, but I'm usually focused on, on, on one book and, uh, <laughs> that, and I've got five kids. So we, oh, wow. you know, that, that takes a lot of my time. I'm, when I'm reading, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm really, uh, in the right place. So, okay. but I, I don't put my head too much in the news or, or, or the, or the media too much. Uh, but I'd probably say I'm, I'm all, you know, alternative media. I'm not much of the on the mainstream media. Yeah. And uh, most of our clients are kind of faith based, patriot uh, type of uh, type of folks. Nice. What are the ages of your the age range of your kids? Um, they're seven, six, five, four and eight months. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's a ton of fun. It really is a ton of fun. It's a ton of work. It's it's the best uh, self-development program I've ever been involved in. <laughs> the best patience builder and, and grace uh, learner. I've learned, a, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. With, with, it's uh, amazing. Kids. The mirror that um, you, you know, the reflection of the, yourself that you see in your kids coming back to you it sure is. <laughs> good and, and bad but yeah. it's an, it, they're an incredible mirror <laughs> yeah when you're in costco and, and you get that mirror and you're like um, and your wife just looks at you and shakes her head like you did that you you did that and i'm like <laughs> yeah i did she did <laughs> they, they will they will give it to you right there and oh you, yeah no and, i know best places yeah and being from texas i'll, I'll you know we I, I have all the first three are boys so i told my wife i said look you know you can either have them uh very well potty trained or you can you know be messing with uh 
peeing in their you know, diapers or whatever. And so I'd have them peeing on trees and peeing on rocks everywhere. And that's great. And then, but when you get, you know, you get to church and you pull out and they're peeing on the tree and people are driving by, she's like, look what you did. I'm like, Hey, it's a payoff. <laughs> so oh that's my gosh, that's, that is hilarious. That's, <laughs> That's the that's the Texan. That's the Texan in us. We <laughs> it's redneck. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, that would be funny to see. What is uh what is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? You know, I'm usually pretty active. I, I try to hit the gym three or four times a, a week, if not more. And I'm a soccer coach to the kids. So we're playing soccer, we're gardening, where I'm at the gym. That's that's usually my my exercise. Very nice. And do you think leaders are born or trained? Wow. I think some are born, and but most are trained. I, I would say there's a training, uh, even for the ones that are born leaders. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I would say, yeah, like, I mean, you could look at, uh, you could look at King David, for example, if, ever, if everybody, kn you know, knows of him, he was born to be a leader, but he was certainly trained by what he went through, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. very true wonderful well Seth this has been a great interview thank you for taking the time yeah thank you Trisha for having me I really appreciate it I'm grateful for you tuning in to the providers properties and performance podcast if you enjoyed it please subscribe rate review and share the podcast with others as a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.